Hello, and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, starting with S's, the super special showstopper, Mary Abijay. <laughs> Oh my God, that's great. The showstopper. Hopefully sh stopping the show in a good way and not because I dropped too many F-bombs and I got the hook from the uh, people off stage. Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Mary Abajay and allow me to introduce my co-host to you, the savory, the savvy, and the stately, Mr. Chris DeSantis. <laughs> I'm Mary. Hey, hey, hey. And by the way, I'm, I guess I'm quasi-famous now because there's some issue about the pronunciation of my name. Oh, yeah. Apparently. What is the... First of all, what is the right... First of all, are you related to the other Ddesantises that hail from Florida? It seems I am. No, his are father, you really? Yes. His father is from my hometown, Sharon, Pennsylvania. Uh oh. Right, I right. live in Sharpsville. These are towns that are adjacent to each other within, you know, they literally touch each other. And so DeSantis is a relatively rare name. And as a consequence, I was told when I was a child that I had relatives in Sharon that were second cousins. I never met those relatives, but we did, I did have 20 some cousins. So I'm not surprised if I am related. I mean, it seems almost impossible not to be related since. My grandfather emigrated to that small town, and his father or grandfather em emigrated to that small town as well. So, <laughs> uh, DeSantis, DeSantis. Uh, DeSantis. How did I say it? Well, so I think there's some issue about DeSantis, like okay. duh, duh, DeSantis. Well, I will call you DeSantis, and I will yeah. call the other one DeSantis, da if that's okay with you. <laughs> that's the distinction. We are not aligned necessarily politically. I'm sure he'll love having someone like you in the family, though. Right, exactly. Maybe I'll be an ambassador if he wins. Maybe I'll be an ambassador. Well, you know, it might be time to do the old family tree, to do a little for uh, 23andMe, to do a little bit of yeah. that, and you could find out. It might be it might be an issue. My brother's guess I guess my brother's gonna be in New Yorker magazine because they interviewed him about this. So he'll Mark's be Mark's gonna be in New Yorker yeah. magazine? On, Mark DeSantis, guess, my yes. favorite DeSantis brother. Exactly. I, apparently he'll be in on a Monday's issue of that, and they're gonna be discussing the pronunciation of the name. Okay, Mark so Mark wasn't aware of the uh uh of the family con connection of the controversy. All right, yeah. so please tell Mark I'm gonna I'm going to have to find him on LinkedIn and say I want a copy of that article. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll probably get one anyway, and then I will. I'll, I can always forward it to you. But I, that, he told me that the it was a short timeline, and so with that short timeline, uh, they said he would probably be included in that article right. on the pronunciation of Desantis. I love it. Well, I you, know, right? You know what else is time for today? What? It's time to actually talk about <laughs> what? <laughs> what? To turn. Are we our putting this off? Are turn... we been putting this off? We have. We've been procrastinating, <laughs> uh, solving our dear listeners' problems and dilemmas. Uh, we've been procrastinating by chit chatting, uh, which I'm sure all of our listeners, all five of them, found that very fascinating about your last name. Uh, but it is time to uh, to answer some questions, and so. 
On today's show, uh, we have three questions that are all about time or time mm-hmm. management, if you will. Mm. Uh, so we are going to, and before we do, they're about punctuality, procrastination, uh, mm-hmm. and just finding ways to manage your time. But before we do, Chris DeSantis, how good are you at time management? What's your number one strength and your number one weakness? Uh, as it relates to time management, as it relates or to number, time management, my number one strength. Well, I tend to be early. Okay. So I don't know if that's so a punctuality is a strength for you. If that if you if that's deemed a strength, yeah, I I, I tend to be punctual, which means that I'm early, which okay. means that I'm early. And what's and your my, one weakness? I tend to be early. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have a name for that, which I'll share with you when we get to our question on punctuality. What about you? Where are um, you with this? I think my number one strength is that I'm able to keep a, a, a bead on everything. Like I'm able to really understand how long things will take me and be able to accomplish them in that time frame. So I oh, make okay, lists good. and I'm really oh, clear. Oh, you're good with time estimates and I'm all very that. good with good time estimates and I'm really good about staying focused until I get something done. So I'm good about that. Oh, that's nice. What I'm bad about when it comes to time management is uh, I'm bad about uh, taking on too much. So uh, I say yes to too many things, which then gives me an overloaded plate. And mm. then I, so I often tip into kind of a stress mode uh, uh, with my time management. Why do you say yes? Is it because you you can or because you don't want to disappoint or because you, you like the attention? I, oh, the attention, no. I say yes because <laughs> if you really want to know why. Yeah. Okay, it's because I, I don't want people not to like me. Oh, so yeah, there is the the positive attention of the, others. The positive attention, or at least the positive regard of others. Yeah, so yeah. So it's not really necessarily the attention. But you know what? We actually have one of our questions is actually about saying no. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is good. This right. is good. So yeah. are you ready for the first one, which we've I still been ready. procrastinating? I am re- Don't put it off any further. Right. Let's do this. <laughs> we'll be done early today, uh, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, no. All right. If you are ready, here is our first question. Dear Cubicle Confidential, hello, my name is Paula and I'm a procrastinator. Okay, that is not my real name, but it is my real problem. I need your help to overcome my procrastinator ways. I've just finished the first year of my first real job and I always seem to be behind. My manager is happy with my work, but is unhappy that I wait until the last minute to deliver the goods. How can I prevent my procrastination from derailing my career? I work in professional services, so I need to be in sync with our clients' timelines, which, to be honest, can be a bit ridiculous. What can I do to be more proactive and less procrastinate Signed, Paula the Procrastinator. Okay. Well, procrastinate. Is that a, is that a an word actual now. word? It's, it's a, a word now. Okay. Well, all right. I can take a swing at this if you want. Do it. You go first, my friend. All right. Well, first off, let me let me just say this. Let's not be too hasty here because um, I think there is an upside to procrastinating. That's what I think. I think this is inherent to part of the character choices that you are making. I don't know if the choices is the word. Maybe it's inherent in how you operate. Uh, see, a couple things. One is, you don't have to redo work, uh, redo work if new work information arrives. You see what I'm saying? Because you're starting later. I think another one is you probably work well under pressure 
because of your short win- willingness to have a shorter timeline. And the third is uh, you're open to change. Your reaction to change is not a, a challenge since you haven't probably started anything yet. It seems that you're you're willing to cooperate in that. So so I don't I, so don't change who you are for, uh, to, for the perception of your boss. You see, I think that's my problem with this: is that you're you're trying. You've only been in the work one year, and now you're changing to please another as a consequence of their perception. My thought here is because they're happy with your work is why don't you think about the work itself and divide it into more discrete chunks? I think one author calls this shrink the changes. So what you want to do is create for yourself a series of smaller timelines so that you can have your you know last-minute deadlines and mini deliverables that build up to the larger project's timeline. What I think this will help you look like, it'll look like you appear ahead of things, but actually you're still using what you already do, and that is waiting till you've accumulated enough to do something that is the action that you take to conclude. So I also think what happens is too, is because clients are particular often and they change their mind with great frequency, you'll come off as looking cool and calm and collected where other people might push back and say, are you sure you wanna do that? Are you sure you wanna do that? So anyway, I say leverage this as a strength and not change it into a weakness. Got it. <clears throat> so, uh, listeners, just so you know, uh, I, we know we get a lot of complaints that we don't disagree enough. So, <laughs> here <Uh-oh>. you go. <laughs> so, yes, I'm going to do a yes and. Oh, I think oh yes and. Your yes and. I think your advice is is great. If we actually knew that the that that person was using the procrastination for good, so I think your answer yes. makes a, has a lot of assumptions about it because there's oh, yes. a lot of reasons why people procrastinate. Some people, as you said, actually procrastinate because they work better that way. They have a longer sort of uh, of uh, not digestion. What's the word when you're when you're generating something? Um, a generation system, like uh, so, like people who are like peas on the Myers Briggs, like a yes. longer time frame because it helps their brain sort of think through things. So it, that could be this person, or this person could just have bad time management. So yes. what I would say, to the procrastinator, and if you are in professional services, it also depends on what you're procrastinating. Uh, so to your point, yes, I believe that you want to. Uh, break things down into small chunks uh, and keep people informed so they don't think that you're ghosting them and procrastinating. But I would say that my first thing I would say to you is this is classic time management, which you'll need to learn uh, regardless of what field you go into. But I would say, number one, you want to, you need to name it to tame it. So I really want you, uh, Paula, to really take some time and really reflect on what drives your procrastination. If it is, as Chris says, this is just your natural juices flowing, this is how you work better, then you want to use some of Chris's ideas. But a lot of times, people procrastinate for many different reasons. And some of the most common causes are we might be waiting for the right mood or the right motivation to dive into that project, or we've underestimated the time required to get it done, and so now we keep putting it off. Uh, sometimes we uh, procrastinate when we feel imposed upon, when we really don't want to do something. Or mm-hmm. a lot of times uh, we'll procrastinate when we are unclear about the goals or the standards of what we're supposed to be working on. Um, many people procrastinate because of fear of failure or a sense of perfectionism. So I think what you have to do first is identify what it is that what is driving your procrastination. If it's fear of perfectionism or failure. I love Chris's idea of break things down, break your tasks down to smaller manageable pieces, uh, setting realistic goals for each of those pieces and 
actually talking about those with your boss. Uh, if it's about waiting for the right mood or the right motivation, then you've got to get yourself in the right mood or motivation. You have to figure out what's going to create that energy that you need. Uh, so whatever it is, you do want to make sure that you are creating a strategy that's based on what's driving your procrastination. Um, be clear with your clients on timelines, which is another thing, and adhere to them. So when a client says, we really need this project done by X, Y, Z, don't just say, yeah, sure, and then procrastinate it. Be really clear about what you actually can deliver. Um, and then I would just say my final tip is make a priority list every day and really stick to it. Put like three things on that list, my to-do list for that day, and really think about focusing on those two. Because sometimes we procrastinate uh because we get distracted by things. So those are my ideas. Well, I no, I have no disagreement with uh, most of what you've said here, because uh, I like the idea here that what is the motive? What 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 drives the it's action? The driving, yeah. But name it, it to tame it. Right. But here's the naming part that I have. I take issue with is this is one manager's view saying I'm happy with your work, on but waiting to the last minute to deliver now. The point here is that I don't know how accurate that actual statement is. This could be a demonstration of the manager's own anxiety around not being done early relative to things. So I'm always, um, let's say, I'm always skeptical of one person's view of performance if there's no track record relative to the, the larger sort of indictment as, as relative to this procrastination as a theme, because she seems rather surprised by it and she's She's got to be, I don't know, professional services. She must be 23 at least. So I, I'm saying that this might have manifest earlier in life, or it might simply be uh, an issue with a particular manager. It but, could be. But either way, she has to manage up. Either exactly. way, if, if it's, it's your Mary's first point. year, this exactly. is constructive feedback. You get to choose yeah. whether you want to use it or not. But if you have a manager in a professional services term telling you that they're concerned about your procrastination, yeah. you do need to take some steps to at least ameliorate it or at least get that that manager happy. I don't recommend I ignoring that. this This. this uh, oh, feedback. I'm not saying to ignore. I'm saying, of course, in their in their minds, I you want to be seen from uh, taken from a positive perspective. Meaning that's that, absolutely that's, right. That's exactly right. And no, I'm you, good with that. And I also like the idea of maybe sitting down with that manager and say, "Hey, what does this look like in your idea? If if you're ideal, not idealizing, if you are seeing me in the way you wish to see me, what am I doing yeah. differently? You see what I'm saying? Something that gives them more tangible or this person, Paula, well, more tangible. And you know, again, this person's just starting off in their career. And yeah. you know, there are some organizations where uh, procrastination isn't frowned upon, but this is clearly one, this is a manageable procrastination is, or the appearance of it is frowned yes, upon. That's the so key. we will do this person good to actually be able to work with different styles or different expectations from different managers. Like mm -hmm. sticking only to your one way of doing something might not work well for you in the length of your career. So for example, I am not a procrastinator, which actually could drive some people crazy. Like if I was working for someone <laughs> who preferred a more longer sort of reflective timeline, I would need to learn how to be a little bit more reflective and deliberate. So I think I think this is a really healthy thing for this person to do is to take a look at her uh, to look at her drivers of procrastination and find some strategies to navigate them. Yeah, I think I think you made an interesting point also, or you alluded to one is that where does this serve me and where does it not? Mm -hmm, yeah. And yeah. so in that sense, and because I think there's a place for it, and then there's also a place for it not to be. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So Paula, that's your that's your task. Name it to tame it and go have a deeper conversation with your boss around this. 
And do it now, Paula. Do it now. <laughs> <laughs> well said. All right, Chris DeSantis, I think we helped Paula the procrastinator stop procrast her, her procrastinating ways. Are you ready to talk to someone about the saying, that four-letter word called no? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, yes, here I we am. go. <laughs> Dear Mary and Chris, I know you've talked before about how to say no, but I work for an organization with a culture of yes. I'm a supervisor in a highly functional government agency. Please, no jokes. That provides stellar service to our stakeholders, which is great, but the burnout is very real. Nobody wants to say no, and now we find ourselves on the road to burnout. Our latest employee viewpoint scores have dropped dramatically. Nobody feels empowered to say no to requests that come our way for fear of budget retaliation. In other words, if we don't say yes to everything, our funding may get cut. Any advice? Signed, no saying no in D.C. Wow. Okay. All I right. think this is, oh, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready I, for I'm this I'm sorry, one. but I am unable. <laughs> I'm unable. <laughs> I can't because I am unable. I think this is a setup for failure, actually. I think it's eventually this system will collapse yeah. because the cost of never saying no is evident, right? Yeah. It's burnout, right? And this burnout is going to continue until your apartment is eventually overwhelmed and it will be overwhelmed and somebody will be replaced. And whoever is running that department, and it sounds like it might be you, will be replaced and blamed. Uh, in some way, but because they'll say, hey, stellar, we used to have stellar service. What's going on there? So I think you and your people, uh, also, I think you and your people, any humans want to have more control over their own circumstances. And I think this is anxiety creating when the situation is such where you feel you have no control, where you just keep saying yes to yes to yes yeah. to yes to yes. And again, being overwhelmed. I think the, in my view, the solution is find out what you're doing, you know, map, start mapping what's coming in. What is the work that is coming in? Where is it coming from? What departments is it coming from? Who's giving us the work? What are the durations of the request? What you really need to do, in effect, is get a handle on your processes. Mm -hmm. So what yeah. are we doing here? Identify what's what. And then once you start to identify what are the actions that we take, what's the cost to do these actions, and then you start to funnel those things in terms of prioritizations. And then you would say, okay, this is a priority A, B, or C, whatever way you do it, based on whatever decisions you make relative to A. A might be, oh, it's from a minister or a head of a, you know, a, head of a, a department, or it might be something that has- A minister. They're not in Canada. I know. I'm thinking of minister. I'm thinking of minister. <laughs> you know why I said that? Because I was just reading The Economist before I, I got online here, and I was reading about Boris Yeltsin, I'm thinking, okay. Anyway, my point being here is that that you want you want to say, okay, where's this coming from? What are our priorities? And then you put people into the flow. So you don't have to say no. You just have to extend timelines when you have people in flow. You say, oh yes, we can certainly do that. But based on what we're doing right now, this is this is where you sit in the flow. Now, if this is a client or a customer that has more than one project going on, you would say, we're happy to re re rejiggle this, which of your priorities do you wish to switch for these purposes? My point would be, you can still say yes up to a point, but you can control your circumstances more because you know what you're controlling. 
So anyway, Mary, you're the uh, you're the government guru here. What do you think? Yeah, you know, actually, I, this is not uncommon for the government. And yes, oh, people, bet. there's a lot of highly functioning, highly efficient and effective agencies or, or departments. Um, uh, so you know, I think I think everything you said is right. This is actually not an individual conversation. This no. is really a group conversation, mm-hmm. and this is something that I think teams and departments uh, and groups and offices, if you will, need to have it as a regular exploratory conversation about really what are we saying yes to? What are we saying no to? Where can we say yes more? Where can we say no more? And really helping sure that we understand what our priorities are and to whom our priorities are. You know, not every request that comes in has the same level of urgency, if you will, or importance. So I think this is something that organizations need to have. I would say for this organization, I think you need to have this as as a quarterly conversation. I think mm. every quarter uh, they could use like the Eisenhower matrix, you know, important, uh, but not oh, urgent, yeah. urgent, but not important, not important. important and urgent, not important, not urgent. And I wouldn't necessarily say use it proactively, but they could, once they do what you talked about, Chris, really deciding like their flow and their process, right. they could use that Eisenhower matrix as sort of uh, an analysis, like a post-action review. So what have we been working on this quarter? Where does, has most of our efforts been and which of these four boxes? So I think that might be a great way to illuminate uh, where they have been spending their time to see whether or not they are actually being effective uh, in what they're saying yes to and what they're saying no to. And I, and I think that this is a really important thing, not only for organizations and teams and groups, but for individuals to talk about. You know, my favorite, my favorite quote about saying no comes from Warren Buffett, who said that saying uh, re- the difference between successful people and highly successful people is that highly successful people say no to almost everything, <laughs> which mm. I think is so great. Because the truth is, every time you say yes to something that's not a priority of yours, you are saying no to something that is a priority. Yes. Because we only have so many, we only have 168 hours in the week. And you are sleeping for a third of those and probably home for a third of those. So you only have a set number of hours every week to accomplish your goals. Uh, So I I just think that this is a conversation. If it's a culture of yes, you've got to look at the trade-offs. It needs to be a regular conversation and there needs to be some assessment of your decisions afterwards, like doing some sort of analysis, how are we sticking to what we said we would do? I, let me add to that, Mary, because I like the last point, especially about this analysis, how we're sticking to it, because I think you should publicize that yes. among your troops saying, look, here's where we were. Uh, this is the time we were spending now because it gives them a sense of control when they see that the measures are moving the meter or whatever. The, the needle is moving in their direction. Yeah. The other thing I thought you alluded to, I thought was very interesting, is that head of the department, there's a difference between the civil servant who is uh, an employee and the political employee. Employee, appointee who might be running the department. Yeah. So that might be a challenge as well because the appointee doesn't have the same requirement. They're in there just to look good necessarily because it's a political issue as opposed to improving the lives of the people who actually work there. No, that's exactly right. That's why the organization or the department, the office needs to have a strong conversation around this so that when the, because there's many layers in government. So when they're going up as far as a political appointee or whoever's running it, they need to have some basis for the trade-offs that they need to make when they say yes to and no to. Yes. Um, so it's really about that. Uh, but you know, you asked me at the top of the episode why um, why I don't why I have a hard time saying no. And mm-hmm. there's been some research around what 
why people fear saying no. And do you want it? First of all, do you ever fear saying no to people? It depends on, no, it's an interesting question. I have to have context. I'd have to have context. All like, right, so I'm can, happy to say no if I don't want to go to, let's say, uh, let's say, uh, let's say uh, a 14 course meal restaurant. Yeah. I'll say no. Okay. <laughs> so do you want to hear what, uh, what keeps most people from saying no? Is it is it your theme about? No, there's no. a couple. There's a couple of things. Okay, uh, this was go, done yeah, by Alexander Batten. Did some research on this. Uh, uh, number one is FOMO. People fear missing out on something that's an important opportunity or oh, important okay. career. Yeah, yeah. This is fear of saying no at work. Okay. Uh, number two is being seen as either not a team player mm. or being a slacker. Uh, number three is the fear of letting other people down, right? Mm. Being a good soldier. Uh, and uh, the fourth one is one that I had, which is people not liking us. Like people won't like me if I say no. And then the fifth biggest reason why people don't say no is their fear of uh, getting in trouble or some sort of blowback. That's, uh, you know, it's so interesting. That triggered a story in my mind years ago when I first started for the last time I worked for a large company, we were sitting around with the training team, the team, right? And they were doing these, they had this internal offering of something like a team, a time manager, something, something silly, like a silly thing. I said, look, why are we doing this? We shouldn't be doing this. We should be moving upstream because what we're doing here is we're doing the, the easiest things that are replaceable by others outside. And what we have is unique knowledge. We should be elevating our unique knowledge and doing only those things. I was new to the team. They did not like me. They said we should... We should take all the work we can get, no matter what it is. You're not a team player. You don't understand. Yeah. And I thought, wow, I didn't. I, I'm just trying to tell you how to preserve our jobs, and you're telling me all these other things. To your point, I was saying no. Yeah. Well, and they thought they were preserving their jobs yes. by doing everything that came down. Uh, that's really interesting, uh, Chris. Before we uh, go to our last question, oh, yeah. let's just remind our listeners how they can say no. Remind our listeners yeah, how, they, how can, they can say no. Like, Oh, well, I think when you say no, you, you, you have to give a reason. Always give a reason. By the way, you know what you can do? It's so interesting. People will accept almost anything if there's a reason. Yeah. If you get in front, if you say to somebody and there's a, a line at the Xerox machine and you say, can I get ahead of you because I'm, I, I'm in a hurry here? That's a, reason. That's a reason. And they'll let you ahead. It's Back so crazy. To how to say no. <laughs> it's so crazy. Just give a reason. Give All right. A yeah. Reason. So you could say, I'm sorry. I would love to help you out. However, I'm really under deadline for something else. Um, yes. I would love to help you on that project. I'm not able to, to do this piece of it, but maybe I could help you on this piece. You know what? I'm I'm not able to help you, but you know, check with Chris DeSantis. He might be yes. able to offer it, right? So you just have to say, I'm sorry, I'm unable because X. Uh, exactly. Offer an alternative if you can. Maybe you negotiate the request. Uh, sometimes just delay the request. So sometimes people will say, hey, Mary, can you like write me up like a, can you meet with me so I can pick your brain? I'm like, great. Yes, I absolutely can. How about six months from now? So, <laughs> so you can also just do that. Yeah, uh, so good, there's lots good. of ways that you can say no. It's just, uh, you need to get over your fear of saying no and then find the right way to preserve the relationship. Be kind, yes. be firm to say no. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that's brilliant advice. All right. Are you ready for our last one, which I think is no. going to be near and dear for <laughs> ours? All right. This one, Chris DeSantis, is from, I hate being late. See where are they from? Hate oh. being late in Louisiana. <laughs> I don't know this person, but I think I love them. 
Dear Chris and Mary, one of my colleagues is always late for everything, late on deadlines, late for meetings, late for lunch, just late, late, late. It is driving me insane. It feels selfish and disrespectful to me. It's to the point that I think I hate them and I want to punch them in the face, even though they really are a good person. What can I do to either get them to be on time or stop stressing about their lack of punctuality? Signed, hate being late in Louisiana. Wow. Okay. You know, Chris, before before you answer yeah, yeah. this, I I I put people into three categories around their proclivity towards punctuality. Uh-huh. Uh, there are the punctual people who yeah. on time is on time. 12 o'clock means 12 o'clock, right? If sure. I say meet me at 12, I'm walking on the door at 12. Then you have your hyper-punctual people like you. And mm-hmm. sadly, me too often, where mm. being on time is actually late. Like our fear of being late means right. if I say meet me at noon, I'm there at quarter of. Right. And then we have those pesky people whom I call the concept punctual people. <laughs> Where where I think is this is where hate being late in Louisiana is dealing with people that find time very flexible and fungible. So I think you are hyper punctual. I am too. I am too. And my my advice to Louisiana here is uh, don't move to a warm climate. (laughs) Don't go any more south 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 than uh, Louisiana. Yeah, because there's an old theory attached to time attentiveness that was attributed to growing seasons. And if you think of it as a growing season thing in terms of humanity, and this is where the theory goes back, is to saying, look, when you are the further north you are, the more constricted you are relative to growing seasons, the more conscientious you have to be about making sure you plant, you harvest, and all those things. The further south you are in terms of planting and all that, the greater the range in terms of the the um, food, and of course, will keep growing throughout the the year. The point being is that fed into time. All right, Professor, back I, to hate being late. I, well, anyway, I just thought that was an interesting point, and he's in Louisiana, or she's in Louisiana. But anyway, uh, you're you're attentive uh, in a way your colleague is not. And here's the operative word, colleague. It's not your boss. It's not your uh, subordinate. It's just somebody you work with. And so um, if you know that they always are going to be late, then maybe you should plan for that instead of saying, let's meet at noon, let's meet at a quarter of, and that means they'll show up at noon. Um, I also do a, a, a you know a little self appraisal. Being early on times um, is it always critical? Uh, you know, could you loosen your girdle just a little bit here? Is my point. No, <laughs> exactly. This is you're making it all about them, and I'm thinking, where's your flexibility in this at all? But okay, I get it. I get your frustration here. Um, you know, and you can also, lastly, tell your colleague how you feel, and you and you you know, and what what do you want to do about this? You know, uh, uh, or or Take a chill pill, take a chill pill, make a new friend for lunch who shows up when you do. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. But don't make, put all of the, don't, don't dump on your friend who just happens to be a different sensibility than your own. Okay. Go I'm going to totally dump on the friend because. Oh my God. You're so mean. You're so mean. <laughs> well, this would drive me personally insane. Like, Aren't you I, married to somebody who does this as well? Yeah, but he's like, <laughs> uh, I've learned how to deal with him. Um, this would drive me insane because I, it just does. Because to me, no, I, I agree with this person. When you aren't, when you are keeping me waiting, when you don't respect my time, it means you don't respect me. And I get that yes. that is a huge, big assumption. I'm conflating intent and impact. But I yes. once had a friend who did this as well. It drove me crazy. She was always 20 to 30 minutes late. And this is pre-cell phone. Uh, but which is why I said I once had a friend. <laughs> 
<laughs> I couldn't be friends with her anymore because it drove me so crazy. I know. So I, I agree with Chris. Chris, if you can loosen that girdle, great yeah. idea. Um, but I would really, I would really lean towards having a conversation. I would be really clear about your frustration. Don't call that person disrespectful, but be really clear about about why punctuality is so important to you and what being late does to you. Like own, yes. own your own tightness, like own your own yeah. like uptightiness around that. Um, and just be clear, like, you know, when we meet together, it's really important for me for when you're on time, because this is the story I make up. So see if you can't make some agreement around that. Um, what you might want to do, it, you it, you say, meet me at noon. And if they're not there by five afternoon, then you leave or you start the meeting or you do whatever you were going to do if the time is important. I would, however, tell them ahead of time, Chris, we're going to meet at noon. And if you're not there, we're going to start without you. So I, hopefully you can make it blah, blah, blah. Um, or just if Chris said, you know, loosen the girdle, I guess. Uh, yeah. And um, But I would also tease them about it. I would also tease them about it in a, in a kind way. Um, I was in uh, uh, Toledo, Ohio, uh, last weekend uh, for a um, uh, uh, memorial service. And my nephew was there, who's a huge like concept punctual person. And we have to fly in and out of Detroit. So the morning we were leaving, we were going to give my nephew and my sister-in-law a ride to the airport. And I said, you know, this car leaves at 930. Um we don't wait for anybody. And so my sister-in-law was there at like 925, 9.20 in the lobby. And she's like, you know, Frazier, oh, that's his name, my nephew. He's not up yet. He was still in bed when I left. I'm like, well, you need to get him up. She's like, well, he won't listen to me. So I texted him. I said, Frazier, we are leaving in exactly nine and a half minutes. Aunt Mary runs a tight airport trip. Uh, so uh, either be down here or find your own way to the airport. Boom. He was walking down at 30. And he's like, Mary, I believed you. <laughs> like you should. Because yeah. you know what, Chris DeSantis? I was going to leave his ass. You're not oh, going to no. be ready for an airport ride at 930 in the morning when we've talked about this for two days. So. No, I'm with you. I, that, I think what you did with him is you've taught him a lesson about what your priorities are <laughs> relative right. to how you want to operate. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. You're doing them a favor. And this goes to your point about respect, right? Yeah. You're not showing me respect and I'm doing you the favor. That's right. And I'm doing you the favor. You know, the other thing you could do for this person that uh, is you could stand them up. Like go uh, plan oh. to meet that person at noon and then you show up an hour late. Oh, I think that's interesting. Turnabout's fair play. Yeah, but then they'll always remind you of that. So, well, look, you've been late. You've been late. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what's no, good for the is, goose may not be I good think, for the candor. I think, too, we're, we're, we're dealing with, uh, again, we'll give more space to people we love. We'll give more space to people. You might. And, oh, you do. You do. I don't. I love my nephew. <laughs> what about your husband? Yeah, well, I got to live with that. <laughs> okay. I, okay. Maybe love isn't the word. You'll do more for the people you live with. <laughs> <laughs> and to funny. be fair, he's only late or tardy or under punctual when it's things that are important to me. <laughs> <laughs> For his stuff, he's hyper punctual. <laughs> well, that's where you extract your revenge. That's exactly right. So anyway, speaking of revenge, our poor listeners probably think we're taking revenge on them by just blathering on about our proclivities towards punctuality. So I think we've helped. I hate being late, right? She We've given oh, her both some nice certainly. suggestions from you, some Machiavellian suggestions from me, and hopefully she can figure out how to deal with her pesky, uh, procrastinating late colleague. Or not. Or not. <laughs> well, 
Well, with that, Krista Sanchez, thank you so much for joining me. I'd also like to uh, thank our amazing, overworked, underpaid. Do you think he's a procrastinator, Mr. Jack Edinger? I don't know that if he can be because he has to travel all around the world making sure everything's in place the moment it needs to be in place. That's true. And has to anticipate other people's needs all the time. And he's he's shown himself to be pretty punctual too, don't you think? Yeah, he always right. comes through at well, the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> So big thanks to Jack Endinger. If you have a workplace question or a cubicle dilemma, give us a shout. No questions too easy, too hard, or too late. <laughs> there are lots of ways to reach us. You could email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com. You could tweet us at cubicleconfide1 or connect with us on LinkedIn. Chris DeSantis, Mary Abajay, Cubicle Confidential, people, we're easy to find. Uh, and so until we see you next week, be kind, work hard, And for God's sakes, be on time. (laughs) And if you can't, call us. All right. See you next week.